Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I am Joel. With me, as always, is... Hey guys, what is going on? It is Jason. I just did a little math, Jason, and I figured something out. All right, what's we that? St- we start every one of these shows with a Skype phone call, and you and I could be in the best mood of, of our entire lives. We could have been experiencing some of the greatest joys of life, <laughs> and then we have to hear that boom, 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 whoop, whoop, boom, 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 whoop, whoop, and it's just terrible. Like It puts yeah. me in a bad mood. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you should be able to customize that ringtone or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Jason, you are an interesting dude. Like, you are way into 311, I guess. <laughs> well, not way into, but I did go to a 311 concert, yes. That that blows my mind. Like, I didn't know 311 was a thing still. 29 years strong, that's what they said. Yeah, I mean, those guys are probably like 50 now, right? Uh, Yeah, probably older than that. That's crazy to me. Um, What was the highlight? Um, probably this band called Dreamers that was one of the opening bands. Huh. So it wasn't 311 itself. Well, to be fair, the sound kind of sounded like this. Whoever was doing the sound was not doing very good. So it was hard to hear anything. So the opening bands had quieter sound, so you could actually hear it a little better. To me, 311, even in its best mastered album days, sounded like this. Chill. So don't forget the you gotta have some reggae buka chickas in there yeah you're right uh (laughs) we just i think our venn diagram of listeners and 311 fans is a strong overlap and we lost a bunch of people in the first two minutes of this show i think we'll be okay (laughs) so Something else too. I don't know if you guys have figured this out or not, but we're an amateur podcast. Um, we, you know, we're just amateurs, um, and it's cool. Like we understand that, like literally every person has a podcast. So, I mean, let us know what your podcast is. We'll listen back, I guess. But like every person has a podcast. You just you meet someone on the bus. You go, hey, what's your podcast called? And they have one. Um, so thanks for listening to ours. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's I don't know. It's pretty wild uh, that this is episode seventy six. And if we were smart, if we weren't amateurs, we would have put this show out on the 4th of July because 76, 4th of July, pretty, pretty patriotic, you know? So pretend like this came out on the 4th. <laughs> Maybe I'll schedule it for like 11.59 so it technically comes out on the 4th. Yeah, hey, that would work. That'd be pretty cool. That would um, be cool. So Jason, I, I'm going to throw you for a... I know it's been a while since I've done one of these surprises, Jason. I've got a surprise for you up top here. Okay. And I'm going to start doing this, I think, a little more because I've got a couple ideas on this. I've got... A category from Board Game Geek that I'm going to ask you, which one has more in it? Which one has more entries in it? Like, so I'm going to say, for example, I would say, are there more religiously themed games or farm themed games? And you're going to have to tell me which one you think has more okay. and if you think it's close. So let's do that. We'll start with that one. Uh, probably farm theme. Not even close. No. ninety-seven. Well, you got to figure like Bibleopoly and all those things make it on uh, there too. That's true. That's true. 97, 90, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is the nearest 10. 970, it's like rounded to the nearest 10 because I just looked at how many pages there are of everything. 970 religiously themed games, 890 farming games. Wow, that's impressive, actually. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, all right, let's get, let's get into some of the big dogs here. Dice games. Dice games. So games classified as dice. Okay. Or abstract. Abstract. 
Abstract, 800 or 8,360 entries. Dice, 9,580. Dang. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's a, here's a, here's one for you. This is, there's a lot of games out there in this category. Spy games. So, you know, Covert, um, Clue. Is Clue a spy game? No, it's not. Um, spy games, though. I'm sure there's a few of them. Yeah. Spy games or podcasts? Which one has more? <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> podcasts coming in at 700. Okay. Spy games, 710. Oh, that was a trick question. So, all right, here, Jason, here's the last one we're going to do. Okay. This is going to be two categories you really love. Sci-fi games. And space. Sci-fi games versus party games. Ugh. Party games. Party games, 8,540. Sci-fi, 7,950. Yeah, I got one. All right. Yep. Uh, okay, I, I got to do this one because I, I, I thought this one was pretty clever of me. Uh, Cthulhu games. Cthulhu, all the Cthulhu games out there. Okay. Every game in the Cthulhu world. Okay. Or cool mini or not entries. Now, this is a little <laughs> tricky. Because they overlap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a little tricky, though, because you got to think cool mini or not and CMON, one entity, and think about all the things they put out. I mean, not just... This includes expansions, things like that. So... But think about Cthulhu, too. This is all the expansions, little miniatures, and stupid stuff for Cthulhu that come out, too. Yeah. So I'm which going, one is it? I'm going with Cthulhu. 420. Okay. 420 uh, Cthulhu <laughs> entries. 530 cool mini or not. So like, Wow, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, and I think that like maybe 50 of those are actual games. But like, there's a lot of like, you can buy this one figurine for Zombicide kind of things on there. So That's crazy. N- next week's game, Jason, I'm going to just let you know. Is going to be what is the most sought after game in some of these categories? Oh, one thousand one hundred and ninety, one thousand one hundred and ninety adult games. Wow! Yep. And I mean, like honestly, since Stranger Things season three came out this week, and no one's listening, we could probably go into those adult games and really like make this a real nasty show. But <laughs> I don't know if we should do that or not. I think you're probably actually pining to get to that news. First thing I wanted to talk about on news is a reprint of the game called On the Underground. And this has uh, a couple different pieces to the name. It's On the Underground London slash Berlin. So this is a reprint of a game that initially came out back in 2006. And what you're doing in this is you're trying to build routes where you're connecting these like train stations or cities. Kind of like Ticket to Ride. But you're trying to get this passenger to use more of your routes than your opponent's because he wants to take the most lazy way possible to get to his destination. So if you can make him travel yours better than other people make them make him travel theirs, you get more points. So if you're interested in a little engine building network or network building game, check this one out. It's on Kickstarter now and it's $39 with eight days left. Yeah, this one looks really good actually um, to me. And this is one that, that, our arch nemesis has championed for a long time. Um, Tommy V loves this game. So this is one that I'm definitely going to have to take a look at. Um, I mean, like I just like those route building games a lot, you know? So I don't know. I'm going to have to look pretty hard at this one, honestly. And the price is actually very good. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it really is. I was impressed when I saw that it was only 39 bucks. I was like, there's no way I was thinking 50, 55, but 
No, it's super well, good. Well, it's $24 shipping, but I mean, uh, like... <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't look at that. You're probably right. I, yeah, I'm going to check that out. I, but it's, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 12 bucks or something to ship. Yeah, probably. Well, okay, so I mean, like, I hate it when they... I, I love it. I absolutely like think it's so much more transparent when a Kickstarter does free shipping, and then they charge just a little more up front. I just... I like that. So... Uh, that's my that's my input on this, but um, yeah, I I mean thirty nine bucks is a good price, and then like with us now putting a pause on tariffs, are we going to see some of these kickstarters say, hey, here's a little money back? I don't think we are. Yeah, probably not. That's wishful thinking, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next game I have is one that our boy Stephen Bonacore talked about last week, and it is from Stronghold, and it is the reprint of D Mocker. So it has yes. six days left. It's $69, which is way out of my budget, so I won't be backing this. But it's a straight reprint on one side of the board, and I think there's a streamlined version on the other side that kind of eliminates some elections to make the game shorter. But if you want to play the old game, it has that too. So if you were wanting D-Mocker like me and you haven't gotten a chance to find it, now's your chance. So six days left, 69 bucks. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I want that 2005 edition or whatever the edition that was the reprint the first time around to come back out and uh, be available in secondary markets for, you know, 24 bucks or something. Yep. That's what I'm thinking. Well, that's possible. Um, I do know this. Uh, Mr. Bonacore did say that this is going to be exclusive to Stronghold's distribution channels like direct sales um, for two years. So this will not be available in retail until at least 2021. And then there's no guarantee that that will happen because, um, if it sells really well and they're doing great with direct sales and they sell out of their, their initial print run, just the way how the markets change and how they have to anticipate, you know, demand and stuff, they, they may just sell out and never do it again, uh, until like maybe do another Kickstarter or something. So, um, I don't think this one's going to come out to the friendly local game shop. I think this is going to be one that you're going to have to buy straight from Stronghold. Um, and I'm not sure if $69 is going to be... I imagine that's what they're going to charge everywhere. Um, but you might get free shipping from Amazon or something. I don't know. So I'm not sure if this is one that I would back or not. But I'm looking really hard at it because I really want this game. Yeah, me too. But I'll let somebody else buy it and I'll play it. Uh, that's all the news I have. I don't know if you have anything that you were excited about or wanted to talk about. If you do... Go ahead. Just wanted to mention real quick, uh, Empty Space. I, I think it's got a subtitle. It used to be called Empty Space Explorers, but then Space Explorers came out like in the middle of their prototyping and stuff. Um, but Empty Space is a cool little game. It's by a family from the United Kingdom. I actually have a review up of theirs. It did fund already. They only had a very small goal of like maybe twenty five hundred bucks to get a print run done because it's basically cards and then a little like bag that they put everything into. And um, it's just, I mean, like it's a cute little game it's not cute it's it is it's really pretty but it's like you could tell that kids had input on it or kids have been playing it with them um it's just a family family affair like they put it together as a family it's like 22 bucks shipped so it's really cheap um but it's it's basically you put these array this array of cards out and then you do different actions to like flip other cards over kind of a push your luck thing on how you get these cards to flip and then you can use the same cards that you're you're using to flip cards and explore to change cards out. So you have a particular color that you're claiming and you want the path of that color to be the easiest one to get up to these like supernovas or this kind of last row thing. And it's basically got that whole ticket to ride thing where you do one of three things on your turn. Like you turn cards in to f change space, how space looks, or you turn cards in to explore through space, 
or you uh, draw more cards. So um, it's kind of a cool little entry gateway type game. I actually, um, my thing on this is I really like it. And I think that it's, if you wanted to have a copy of Ticket to Ride to bring with you on like vacation or travel, it feels enough like Ticket to Ride and those kind of like set collection type games um, that I think, I think it would probably itch the same scratch or scratch the same itch. Uh, so I think it's worth checking out. Pretty cool little thing. And then just real quick, Legends of the Novus. I think that one did fund this last week. So that's pretty awesome. Um, so I think, Jason, I think we're like batting a thousand right now for stuff that we've endorsed for Kickstarter or on the Kickstarter pages for. Um, you're on one right now too, I know. I don't remember what it is, but I think it funded as well. Yeah, I'm on um, the Damsel's Tale and what is the other one? I can't remember. But yeah, I'm on two. But yeah, they're both doing okay. We're on four right now. That's crazy. Yep. We're like, I know everybody has a podcast, but our podcast has four listens. <laughs> Truth. That's awesome. Well, cool. That's it for rambling on about news. Uh, let's get to the part we both love, I guess, which is talking about games we played. So this weekend, I played a decent amount of games, actually. Uh, and one I want to talk about is a game that I'm going to be be doing a review for, and it is called Freshwater Fly. It looks super cool. Tell me it's good. Dude, it's super good. So essentially, this is the follow-up or the sequel or the prequel to Cold Water Crown. But in, yeah. this, in this one, you're fly fishing. So the way this game works is it's a dice drafting game. You're going to roll some dice. You're going to draft a die. And depending on the value of the die, you have a possible three actions you can take. You can cast out to try to catch a fish. You can reel in a fish, or you can make your finesse go up, which allows you to take some special actions during the game. So to cast out, you have to take a die. You're going to throw out to a column on the board, and you're trying to get certain colors based on the lure or the fly that you have on your board. And if you're going to flip cards, you have a 25% chance of catching this fish. So say I cast out the row five, uh, my opponent or one of the opponents will flip a card. It could be a fish card, or it could be an empty lure card. If an empty lure comes up, my fly drifts inward toward column one and i can do that two more times for free or i can use finesse to flip more cards so if you can flip all four cards you're guaranteed to catch a fish but you may not have finesse to do so then once you get the fish on the hook you have to manipulate your reel to get the fish from one end of your player board to the other end to actually catch it and the first player to catch seven fish ends the game and whoever has the most points is the winner uh it's a really fun game it has some cool mechanisms that i haven't seen before like the whole casting out to catch fish is really interesting and if you catch a fish around a rock you can flip over a rock card and you get like a special bonus so really fun game uh review will be coming up soon and i can't wait to play this some more because it is awesome yeah it looks really good the production out's great for coming from a kind of a fairly independent company um it looks really well done yeah it, it, i think the company's bellwether or something like that i think that sounds right but yeah it's i was expecting a prototype and it's like a legit finished game so i was super pumped about that yeah, it, it looks fantastic. This is going to go on my want and trade list, I think, probably, and be really high on my radar, added to my wish list kind of thing from Amazon, just because it looks it looks great. And it's a different theme. Like, I'm super excited about any game that has a theme that's not, you know, like traveling on a train or um, equipping a knight with gear. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. Or, or, yeah. or trading spices on the Mediterranean. Um, yep. So the theme being a little different is pretty awesome. Uh, I guess speaking of games that have a different theme, I broke out CO2 Second Chance 
uh, three times this week actually, and played it solo every time. Um, the co-op, the full co-op plays solo really, really well. Um, it's so hard. I have not won yet. I made it to the fourth decade um, and just lost the last time because I couldn't get the... There's like, in order to have a victory condition, you have to have claimed a certain number of goals. And I just couldn't get the goals claimed. Um, I kept the CO2 levels down enough and everything to make the game a victory condition, but just couldn't claim enough goals. So it's just hard to balance everything. But in this game, basically what's happening is you're playing uh, from like the 2010s, 20s, 30s, and 40s, so through four decades, where there's this growing demand for power and electricity, basically. And what happens is if you aren't able to provide green power or a more sustainable power in each continent, then they're going to take matters into their own hand and start polluting and put out these fossil fuel uh, power plants. And basically, if you can't produce enough of the green power, we get a lot of CO2, and it, I think kind of indicates that people die off, and we don't have people anymore. So um, it's really a games as art kind of thing because I know I know uh, Uncle Vidal, he uh, he's definitely uh, very environmentally conscious, and I think he's very worried about carbon. And um, I mean, like I think we all probably should be. Um, and this really kind of gives you a little bit of a sense of empathy of man, we really need to do our parts to try and clean things up a little bit. Mechanically, it's really great too. You're doing a lot of, uh, like, basically, you're doing what you know you do in, in uh, Vidal's games. You do one of three things and then kind of do a secondary action. Actually, the mechanics of it remind me a lot of the gallerist because you have a main action and an executive action. And I think that's what it's called in the gallerist, even. So um, it reminds me of that. And then if you get kicked out of a spot, you get to do a free kind of executive action, sort of. So um, really a cool little game. And it's, it's Vidal, but it's co op. Um, and then there's a semi-co-op version too, um, where you all have to keep the world from being destroyed, but you want to do better at, than other people at it. So a uh, really cool game. I really like it. I think it might be my second favorite Vidal game right now. So, uh, I'll let you guys figure out what my, my most favorite is because I'm not exactly sure either, but, um, they're all just very good. And this one's right there with them. Cool. Yeah. I haven't gotten to play this yet, but I will eventually, and I can't wait to, so it looks cool. Yeah, it's really good. All right, so I played a game that I think came out at Origins. It was at Gray Fox's booth, but it's from a company called Social Sloth, which might be just a family version of Gray Fox. But what this game is is called Gem Hens. And what you're doing in this game is the farmer feeds these gems, or these gem, hens, gems. And you're trying to have the hens eat these gems to lay Fabergé eggs. So you're walking around this uh, coop, and you're collecting these different colored gems. You're eating them. And then you're putting them in certain numbers of sets on this this gem, uh, Fabergé egg to score points. There's like sets of two, three, four, and five. The trick here is you can only put the same color in each row. And some of the colors have way more in the bag than some of the other ones. So say I'm trying to collect a set of five and I start using one of the ones that only has eight gems. That's going to be harder to complete than one that is two. So you're trying to score the most points by doing this, and if you have to eat gems that you can't fit in your egg, they're worth negative points based on <laughs> the percentage of them that are in the bag, and it's a cool little game. It's a dice-rolling game, and you're, whatever you roll on the dice determines the actions you can take, and you're only rolling for 20 seconds, and then after 20 seconds, whatever you're stuck with, that's what you have. So it's a, it's a fun game, actually. I'm underselling it because I <laughs> it's hard to explain, but yeah, I really like it. So if you're interested in uh, weird themes and dice games, check out Gem Hens. 
you played Crusaders last weekend, and that game looks awesome. I did, and, I did play that. Yeah, you're right. And you're talking about gem hens. Because it's underrated. <laughs> I wanted to give it some love. No one's talking about it. Well, yeah, because not everybody <laughs> loves drawing plastic crap out of a bag as a mechanic as much as you do. <laughs> that's true. And that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> the cherry tree that lays Fabergé eggs every 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> then the Crusaders came, and they killed all the chickens. Yes. No, Crusaders <laughs> looks awesome. You better talk about it in the future week. Yeah, I'll talk um, I'll talk about it another day. Yeah, that's it looks really good. Um TMG, man, they put out some really cool games. Uh but Gem Hens, I don't know anything about it, so I guess I'm glad you brought it up. Like I assumed it was a Haba game and like Nope, it's not. It, I haven't looked into it at all. It does kind of look like a Haba game, but it's not. It it's actually like a fairly family solid family plus game. Yeah. Huh. Well, cool. Uh Fabergé eggs, man. That's that's a new one. Yep. It's kind of funny, actually, to have them eat gems to lay Fabergé eggs. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure a, a hen's stomach isn't related to its egg laying as much as it is its its poop. So They're special I, chickens. They were raised especially for pooping out Fabergé eggs. You're crapping... Gem gem eggs. Those aren't <laughs> eggs, honey. Don't don't put those in your mouth. Yep. Uh well cool. Uh you you found it here, guys. Uh Jason bringing you the, the gem hens. Yep. Uh my my second game is a game I actually just played this afternoon with my son. He beat me, unfortunately, because I just I thought I had one of the criteria done and I didn't. And I could have won. I'm not going to do that whole, like, I just made a mistake and I would have won because that's really what happened. But, I mean, I definitely got beat. So, um, I'm going to let him have the victory. He he beat me. He beat me here and square. He's really smart. And I hate it that he doesn't play board games very much and he's so stinking good at them. And I love him so much and I'm so bad at him. So, uh, Railroad Rivals is the game. I don't know if I've said that yet or not, but um, it's from What's Your Game, which, Jason, I know you're a huge fan of. Um, this one's really good. And... I think it's going to be a little on the light side for what you typically like, um, but it's really good in my opinion. Um, basically, you're doing one of four actions, and then you recruit different workers into your worker pool, which make those different actions have like a little bonus executive extra action kind of thing on it too. So, like if you recruit gray guys, I don't. I'm just kind of making it up. I think gray guys are accountants, so they make everything cheaper to do. Uh, the blue guys are like managers, and they can like oversee labor and make things happen faster but you're basically laying down train tracks and putting in stations but then also kind of the other kind of fun thing on it is that you're doing telegraph lines as well using your infrastructure to do telegraph lines with western union and so there's like another way to score points and then there's like three tracks kind of like uh, Coinbriar or whatever you want to say uh where it's like you can change how you score at the end of the game by investing in like this multiplier as well so um it's just tracks and tracks and tracks, which I know you like, Jason. And then it's got some kind of interesting worker placement kind of going on with it too and route building. So it's it's not as heavy as I thought it might be. It's a game that I think I would personally play it with somebody after they had played, you know, like maybe uh, Champions of Midgard kind of thing. It's like a next step after that. So uh, Family Plus probably. Um, pretty good little game though. Railroad Rivals. Really enjoy it. And it's the first What's Your Game Play? I've, what's Your Game game I've played in a long time. Um, cause Asgard's kind of sitting in the shame, the shame pile. I know you like that one, but, um, and I, I, the last one, I, I think what's your game is technically Vasco da Gama, but I think the copy of Vasco da Gama I owned was Rio Grande. Yeah. So mine too. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Railroad Rivals. Yeah. That's one that I wanted to play. I heard it's one of the, the lighter ones from there, from them. And by light, I don't mean like, you know, Jim Hens light, but you know, light for what's your game. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I and I, I would agree. I would say this is I would say this is one that if you're gonna put like on a five point weight scale, like let's say that like an average board game is like Champions of Midgard and it's a three. Uh like you like fives, man. And like this one's a three and a half, you know? Right. Um, that's, that's cool. I mean, like, so it's not, it's, it's got meaningful decisions in it, but it's just smooth and it's just pretty quick. So like my son and I played it in 40 minutes, probably. Um, and it's amazing how fast it does actually go. So, uh, it's something you'd enjoy. I think I'll, I think I'll bring it to the next BGM con. I don't know if we'll get a chance to play it or not, but it's, it's, it's a nice little, like, let your brain breathe kind of game. So yeah, that's cool. Okay, so last week when we had Mr. Bonacore on, we were planning on talking about this topic. And since it's summertime, we wanted to talk about some great games that you can play outside. So let me say first what my criteria is, then you can go into yours. So my criteria was I didn't want any cards. You can have cards because I play some card games outside. But I picked mostly games with either dice or tiles or both. So that was my criteria so they didn't get blown away in the wind. Or if it rained, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Right. That was basically mine too. I wanted stuff that I could play on a picnic table and not have to like get a handful of gravel to put on a bunch of cards and play mats and stuff. So yeah, cool for sure. Yeah. All right. So the first game that I picked, not even like one of my favorite games, but this is a good game to play outside. And that game is Carcassonne. So yeah. this game's nothing but tiles. It has little meeples. It'd be really hard to make this game blow away unless you get a huge gust of wind. Great to play on a picnic table. The pieces are big enough they're not going to slide down in between the slats and the picnic table. You can even play it on the ground if you want. It wouldn't be necessarily the worst thing in the world. So if you want to play a game outside and you don't want something that's super complicated or heavy, then check this one out. That's Carcassonne. And I mean, if it rained and lightning hit your picnic table and like your game got totally drenched and then burnt somehow, you wouldn't be upset because Carcassonne's a terrible game. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, my mine is uh, again. It's not much better, but I thought you know what this is a good game to play outside if you're going to play it. And that's Hive. I mean, this is one that actually like I think five years ago everyone knew what Hive was, but I don't see this one around anymore. Um, this is basically an abstract game where you're playing with insects that have different movement rules and different like kind of capturing kind of rules. It's like almost like chess, but like I know that like there's certain insects that can hop over other insects. There's ones that can like capture by being on top of them. Um, but it's, you're playing with these different insects with different powers and they basically are just, uh, in a hex arrangement and it's like a thinky abstracty chess type game, but it's all tiles. And this game could be played in a hurricane because those are good chunky tiles. Uh, so hive. Yeah, this is an abstract game, so it's not really my type of my bag of tea or cup of Again, joe. Again, lightning could hit whatever. it. It could be melted into a pile of plastic, <laughs> and you wouldn't care. Yeah, right. But speaking of abstract games, uh, my number, my next one is an abstract game, and it's called Azul. Yeah. So it's just tiles. It has some cardboard bits that you put tiles on, and that's about it. It could blow. You know, it could be windy could be rainy yeah. i would protect this one from lightning because i like this one yeah so, this one's good yeah don't play this in the lightning but if you want to play a game outside azul is good check it out yeah uh i i agree Azul's is really good i saw you had it on the list and i was like ah darn it he beat me to it but that's okay um it's a good game really good game so i'm glad it's on there uh jason my number two uh is a game that I really do love too, and I would I would put a tarp over this one if it started raining too. But I think it'd be pretty darn near 
rainproof. I mean, I think it could get wet at least, splashproof. Right. And that's Roll for the Galaxy. Uh, it's mostly like wood and dice, but there's there's cardboard chits and stuff in it and little tiles. But Roll for the Galaxy would be one that's pretty windproof, uh, and it could get into a sprinkle, and you could toss it into the box, and it would be okay. Um, and I really love this game. It's between this and Race for the Galaxy I go back and forth on. It's a quick game. Um, so it's like going to be one of those things that like if you were at a picnic and you just wanted a little quick something to play in the shade while you were letting the aloe vera gel soothe your sunburn, uh, this would be a really good one to play. Um, roll for the Galaxy. My number two, Jason. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't play any of mine in the sun. I mean, come on. Let's not be a savage here. I, <laughs> I sit under a shade tree on a card table in a nice cushy chair. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> All right, so my favorite game to play outside is actually a game that I played a ton at church camp last year, and it's called Order of the Gilded Compass. Uh, this one's mostly a dice game. It's kind of Yahtzee-ish, and you're taking some dice and rolling them, and then you're putting them on these locations to collect different types of tiles that score you points. So uh, I've actually played this when it was kind of windy. It didn't do a big, uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal. And it actually doesn't have a huge table space, so it works pretty well. So my favorite game to play outside is Order of the Gilded Compass. Very cool. Uh, my last one, Jason, is a little Haba game that's super cheap. Uh, you can get it for like five bucks, I think, or so, maybe a little more. Um, but it's called Rhino Hero, um, and it's really, really hard outside. So it's pro mode, and uh, because it's so hard to play outside, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, I'm actually lying, but... I really do think this, if you're going to be outside playing a game, I think you don't play board games. Like that's really what I feel in my heart. Um, and I know this is like an interesting topic that comes up sometimes and I wanted to address it on our show. But like, I honestly think that if you're outside and having a picnic or something, go play like bean bags is the more Christian name to call it. <laughs> um, or play like, play like that, like uh, ninja throwing golf balls. He'll build, he'll build golf, man. <laughs> or uh, spike ball. That's my new one this summer. Pickleball. That's a fun game. And yeah, pickleball is fun. <laughs> but but I, I don't know that you played at a picnic. But uh, <laughs> and then and then the other one that I've got too is can jam. I mean, like so all those games are really cool, like outdoor games that you can play. They don't require a lot of people, and they actually like let you move and stuff. Like so, you can't play that game indoors in December, but you can't play those games outdoors in August, and you can play you know, board games in the winter. So, um, I don't know. I think when it's nice out, you should go out and enjoy throwing the horseshoes or something. So that's, that's my real like thing is that you should play games that are made to be played outdoors. So, um, yeah. And there's a new one called Mulkey that I think is really cool too. So check that one out. If you're into those kinds of games, that one's the one you may not know yet. It's M umlaut L K K Y, I think. So, uh, something like that, like the O with the dots over. Is that an umlaut? I don't know. Yeah, it's made by the guy that does Yinch and Czar. <laughs> it's not, but it could be. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yeah. They're all equally Swedish, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. If I'm outside, I like to play cornhole or beanbag toss, as you like to say it. Or like, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I'll play kickball or something, as long as I don't have to do a ton yeah. of ton of running. But yeah, I agree. But if you if it's too hot and you just want to sit around a tree and talk, these are the games that I picked are good games to do that with. Yep, uh, Jason Jason's uh, got to catch a flight here. Um, but real quick before he has to board the airplane, I had two I could think of off the top of my head honorable mentions. One skull. I've been playing that game a ton lately. Um, it's like kind of getting a second season of being a good game to me in my life. 
Um, and it's all cardboard like coasters and it's really fun and super light. So like it would be easy to play outside and then survive escape from Atlantis, um, is one that's like mostly tiles and little plastic guys that go into wooden boats. So I think that one could be played outside. Um, those are my honorable mentions and that's all I've got, Jason. Yeah, I have one. I'll play Loop and Louie outside because it's awesome. And I just want to play that game. Yeah. And then you could get the little eight player adapters, which would make it even better. Oh, yeah. Tournaments, man. That'd be crazy. Well, I uh, I guess we're going to cut this one uh, at this time because, you know, life, like people have to put their kids to bed and stuff, which is a real thing. Yeah. So it's a real thing. <laughs> I got to put my 15 year old son to bed. <laughs> So, uh, you gotta go tuck him in. <laughs> yeah. Look, here's uh, your warm milk. <laughs> Sing him a lullaby. <laughs> I think I stopped tucking him in when I was, when he was about like four and a half. Like, honestly, he was like, yeah, I, I got it, dad. I'm good. So, he's just, that's how he's geared. My, so, my, anyway, my oldest still likes it. So, I still tuck her in. She's seven. Yeah. I could see that. Like, I could see your younger one just being like, listen. Uh, the only reason why I'm still with you is because I haven't been emancipated yet. <laughs> I'm five and a half now, so can you just leave me alone? I don't know how old she is, but like, she's five, seriously. She's five and a half, yeah. Yeah, she's five and a half, but like, honestly, I think, I don't know, man. If I had to put money on her surviving uh, a week living on her wits and, and survival instincts in Manhattan or my 15-year-old <laughs> son, I might put my money on her. Uh, yeah, I think I would too. <laughs> she's street savvy, man. That she is. So, well, anyway, uh, I've been Joel and Keep Gaming, and Jason's kids are going to have a nice <laughs> night's of sleep. Yes, they are. And I'm Jason. Keep Gaming. You want to introduce this next part here? Yeah, I want to try to rush through it because I got to um, 